you're tuning in to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania each weekday at 9am and for this listening in Tasmania you can catch us again at 4.30pm um, each weekday as well and just to remind our listeners you can also listen to us through the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website where you can also catch up on the previous episodes that we've done. Um, today we have Riker Chellet joining us from Bernie and um, he'll be continuing with this series of programs titled 3MJ where the 3M is Movement, Message and Mission and uh, J standing for Jesus so that is the Movement, mission, Message and Mission of Jesus. Welcome Riker, how are you today? Good, Tabitha. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How's your week been so far? Yeah, it's been good, thank you. That's good to know. Um, Raka, I understand that this is your final program um, for the year and um, final live program and possibly, sadly, the final (laughs) program that you're going to do. You've done 32 programs so far. Um, Did you just want to talk about that? Tell us what's happening yeah, a, a few weeks ago, I received a call from another conference, uh, South Queensland Conference, and uh, I accepted. And it, it's also been an answer to prayer for my wife and I. Mm. And we'll be moving there in a, in a couple of weeks, and hopefully we'll be in Queensland by the end of uh, uh, December or so. Mm. And uh, we just pray and hope that uh, everything goes well. Indeed. Um, Draco, it's sad to say uh, we've really enjoyed listening to you, how you present um, God's message with so much passion. And um, yeah, it will be sad to miss you, but we wish you all the best. I believe uh, the listeners will join me in this and um, all agree with me um, that we wish you all the best. And uh, we just pray for the minister who will be taking over. Um, yeah, we just look forward to listening to him or her. <laughs> Um, so, Rako, um, did you want to give um, just to mention what you did uh, in the what you presented in the previous program? Well, prior to this um, this program for today, uh, looking at Jesus's final week and the chronology, um, you have the upper room experience, mm-hmm. and so many things happened in the upper room. You have the washing of feet. And that was all about teaching about humility and service. Then you have the Passover meal. Then the Lord's Supper is instituted. Really, the Lord's Supper replaces the Passover meal because Jesus Christ, He is our Passover. Then you have in the upper room, Jesus talks about a new commandment to His disciples. He talks about to love each other. And if you love one another, you are my disciples. We also see in the upper room, Jesus predicts uh, Peter's denial. And it was the first one, uh, first time he predicted it. So he's he's giving a prophecy saying, Peter, you're going to deny me. Mm. Um, and we know about the rooster crowing later on. Mm. And then Jesus, I don't know how to explain this, but he gives, he imparts counsel or he gives a sermon, a teaching, an appeal. And this is really John chapter 14 to John chapter 16. Mm. Uh, Jesus said so many things there. He talks about, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He talks about how he came to reveal the Father. He, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. He talks about uh, the gift of peace. Mm. My peace I give unto you. 
he also talks about uh, in John 15 about I am the vine, you are the branches. And in John 16, he further talks about the Holy Spirit. And since I have the Bible opened, um, I, I like what it finishes there in John 16, verse 33. It's, it, it mentions, this is how Jesus finishes. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Mm. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I really want to stress you know, the points of peace and having good cheer. Mm. You know, many times I've quoted John 16, verse 33, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. But going through this final week of Jesus' ministry and looking at events in chronology, it just gives me this aha moment, this wow moment. Wow, Jesus. Uh, the upper room experience was such so huge. And then we read about Jesus, how he prays in John 17. He prays for himself, for his disciples and the new believers. And then he will go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He will go on a path, a journey. And there's a talk about supplies for the road. I believe he talks to Peter about this. And uh, then they come to the Garden of Gethsemane experience, and then there's going to be the arrest. And so today I want to cover in this program, I want to talk about the Garden of Gethsemane experience and also Jesus' arrest. So blend those things together. And before we continue, uh, let us pray. Tabitha, can you please pray for us? Sure. Um, Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. And we thank you so much for Rako and the program studies done so far. And I pray that um, he's touched hearts and that you continue blessing him, Father. And even in today's program, I pray that you may speak um, through him and um as we listen to your word, may you bless us, Father, and may we be touched by it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. It's mm-hmm. the very last book. And we're going to go to Revelation 14. Mm-hmm. There is something there called the three angels' messages. An angel is a, a messenger, and God's people can also be messengers, because that's what the word angel means, agelos, message. Mm-hmm. And the third angel's message talks about what is known as the mark of the beast. Now, the question is, what is the mark of the beast? Well, I can tell you with full confidence, it's not what some people might think it is. It's with this whole COVID and vaccination. That's not the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, the beast is the Antichrist, and he has a mark. And um, the the ecclesiastical uh, power or church of power and authority, they, the mark of the beast is really Sunday worship. Mm-hmm. Um, this has not been yet enforced. This is still something in the future. But before uh, probation closes, God's going to give ample opportunity for people to give their life to Him. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't just uh, say, that's it. No, He gives ample opportunity, accept me, and He's trying to woo people to Him. But there comes a time where there's a limit and there's a boundary for God. Just like when it comes with parents, um, they will warn their ch- child And sometimes uh, if they overstep the boundary, there's consequences. So let's read Revelation 14, and please read verse 9 and 10. 
Um, then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That doesn't sound too nice, does it? No. No. So let's just talk about this here very quickly. I don't. This is not the main part of what I'm trying to share today, but it talks about worship here. Worshiping the beast, this is the Antichrist power found in Revelation 13. And uh, he. it's also having an image. Image means likeness in character. And receives his mark. This is Sunday worship on the forehead. This means in the mind, people believe Sunday is the day of worship. And in the hand means in the action, the works where people are just following the crowd. They don't know better. And so people who are following this, he himself shall also drink of the wine. Now, when you have wine, we usually think of grape juice. Some people may think of fermented drink. But when you have wine, you need to have that in a cup, right? Mm. And we see that this wine is the wrath of God. Now, wrath means anger. God gets upset. He gets angry. And it says this wine, it is poured full strength. Um, another translation says without mercy, not mixed with mercy, mm. into the cup of his indignation. Indignation again, anger. So here you have a cup. Inside this wine, it is the wrath of God. It is not poured with any mercy. It's unmixed with mercy. And it's God's indignation. And this cup is symbolic. It is it is something that not the righteous, but the wicked will experience. And that's my point. Um, and as you continue reading uh, the third angel's message, it finishes off in verse 12 by saying, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. They don't just have faith in Jesus, but they have the faith of Jesus. So this Bible verse, before we go for our break, I want to just mention... It is God's cup, and this is where we just read it in Scripture, and it is a cup that is for the wicked people. Mm. Well, um, we're going to listen to our first song, and it's The Lion and the Lamb by Will Morrison. Yeah. 
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. That was The Lion and the Lamb by Will Morrison and you're listening to Taz Encounters with Rako Teles and um, Rako is about to get into the main um, sharing for today which is Jesus' arrest and um, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Rako, what do you have for this for us this, in this section? We've just talked about God's cup. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 26, and can you start reading from verse 36 to verse 38? Um, the title is The Prayer of in, the, in the Garden. Um, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and, two sons, and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Um, then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Thank you. Jesus, once he left the upper room, and by this time there were not 12 disciples, because during the Lord's Supper, one of the disciples, which is Judas the betrayer, he left. Mm. And Jesus walks to the path to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he says to Eight out of the eleven stay here, and then he goes to the garden, um, and there's Peter, James, and John, and he says here in verse thirty-eight, "My soul, 
That means my life is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And what he's saying to them, pray. When we see the context, he's going to say pray. And he's going to go a little while further and he's going to start praying to his father. So let's continue reading. Um, can you please read verse 39 and onwards? All through to 46? Uh, maybe stop at verse 42. Okay. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, you will be done. I want to point out something here. God, you have Jesus, he's praying to his father. And he says to the Father, if it is possible, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. So now the question is, what is this cup about? Whose cup is this? Is this a literal cup that we are talking about? Do you think that's the case, Tabitha, here, that it's a literal cup? No, I believe it's the death. The, yeah, Jesus was going to face death. Yeah, he is. And this is a this is a symbolic cup. Hmm. And Jesus is praying to God the Father. And the question is, well, what's in this cup? Well, we see that the only place in Scripture where you have God's cup is right there in Revelation chapter 14. Mm -hmm. And that cup is God's wrath. It's not mixed with mercy. It's for the wicked people. And we know that in the future, the wicked people will be destroyed in the lake of fire. We know this according to Revelation 20, and they receive what is called the second death. There's a difference between the first death and the second death. The first death is where you die in the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, you resurrect, and you'll be, you're saved. But the second death is where you resurrect, but it's a resurrection of damnation or condemnation, and then you'll be destroyed uh, with fire and brimstone and in the lake of fire, sorry, the lake of fire, and then there is no point of return. So it's total annihilation. So now let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What death do you and I deserve, really, if we don't know Jesus? But even if we do know Jesus, what death do we, do we really deserve? Um, death in Jesus. I believe, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, the truth is, yeah. we deserve the second death. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we are sinners, yeah. Because we are sinners. Mm. And, and when Paul wrote, for the wages of sin is death, he's referring there to the second death. And, and Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they deserved that second death. Mm. But by God's grace, if we die physically um, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have hope of a resurrection. And so we just experience the first death. So, Jesus is saying, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. And so, we know later on, Christ died on the cross. And the Bible says in Hebrews 2 and verse 9, that He tasted death for every man. It's not just for the wicked and the unrighteous, but also for the righteous. Mm. So, He tasted death for 
every man. It's like he tasted that second death, that separation, that ana, uh, separation from God. Remember, Jesus on the cross said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. I have to say one thing. Mm-hmm. I've grown up in the church and I am very blessed and privileged that I have. I'm happy that I've not grown up in the world. And I'm gro- I've grown up in the church. But for a very long time, I didn't understand the death that Jesus Christ experienced on the cross. I just thought, well, he just died and that's it. It's just an ordinary death. He's my substitute. But it wasn't until I was the age of 30 that I understood, oh, he tasted death for every man. Not just for the righteous, but also for the unrighteous, for the wicked. Wow, it's like he tasted that second death for me. Mm. Uh, um, uh, That cup, God's cup, unmixed with mercy. He had to do that for you and me. And when I found that out, I went, wow, God, Jesus, you are love. God is love. Mm. And as you continue reading here, and we don't have time, Mm -hmm. but as you continue reading... Jesus goes back to the disciples, and they are sleeping again. So he prays. He goes to the disciples the first time, and they're sleeping. They ought to have been praying. He, he goes back, and he prays, and he goes uh, back again the second time to, to see the disciples, and they were sleeping. And then he goes back, and he, Jesus is praying, goes back for the third time to the disciples, and they are sleeping. You know, Uh, I don't know if it's Desire of Ages, but the same author of Desire of Ages mentions that this is a representation of the church sleeping. And let's go to Luke chapter 22, please. Luke chapter 22, Mm -hmm. and we're reading about the same experience Mm -hmm. of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, that book, Desire of Ages, twice, Mm -hmm. um, it talks about Jesus suffering superhuman agony while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. This was more agonizing than Jesus' death on the cross. Mm. And we know that Jesus is going to be arrested. You know, Jesus went, uh, when he went through this experience in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was ready to face whatever would come before him. Mm. So, let's read Luke 22. And let's read about some of the agony that Jesus went through, beginning at verse 39 to verse 46, please. Um, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Um, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. You can see that this is really intense, mm. what's happening here. With, with, um, with the sweat, it became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And he was going to the agony. But at the same time, mm-hmm. we have an angel here that comes to Jesus and strengthens him. Mm. Desire of Ages on page 694 tells us that through this experience, he came forth calm and serene. 
A heavenly peace rested upon his blood-stained face. He had borne that which no human being could ever bear, for he had tasted the sufferings of death for every man. Mm. You know, this is, the, Jesus prayed here, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Well, it never did pass. Mm-hmm. He had to take it. And Tabitha, he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the whole world. And, and this is love. See, Jesus did not only die for those who followed him, but he also died for those who hated him. And that is true love. Um, I, record, I have a question. Yep. Um, was Jesus in agony because of the whole experience of um, facing death and torture? Or was it because he was doing this, um, yet he was sinless? He was um, doing it for our sake. He was a substitute. He was a propitiation for our sin. Mm. He was in agony because he felt the sins of the world upon him. Mm, okay. uh, and, and yes, he knew what he had to still face um, before. But you know, it, you need. The, 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 I think this is important to say. To Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. What does the word Gethsemane even mean? It means olive press. Mm. And the the Garden of Gethsemane, you had an olive grove. So what would happen is you would have trees with olives. And you would, in order to have oil or olive oil, you take the olives and then you crush it. Mm. And then, or you press it and olive oil comes out. And in a similar way, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he was crushed. Mm. He, he was pressed by the agony of the trial and crucifixion. And instead of olive oil coming out, we know later on it was blood that came out, mm. divine blood. He was, he was whipped and he was crucified on a cross and nails um, were put into his hands and feet. There was a crown of thorns that came out. So Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was crushed Pressed with the sins of the the weight of the world, he knew already long before this experience he had to this was going to happen, and this was just now confirmation. Mm. Okay, um, thanks for your response, Raiko. And um, just to mention our book offer for today, it's the book The Desire of Ages, and um, Raiko has been referring to that book. It's a very um, significant book and very um, related to what Raiko is. Talking and I, I believe it's the it's where um, the author mentions that how good will it be if you can spend an hour reflecting on um is it the death of Jesus or the, the fine the, the last couple of days of Jesus it would be good to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplating the life of Christ especially the closing scenes and this is what we've been talking about I mean we could spend the whole time just talking about the Garden of Gethsemane experience. Mm. And I just thought that relates to what you said, um, that you got to understand the whole of what Jesus experienced at the age of 30. And um, yeah, it's when you take time to actually, I'm just thinking when you take time to actually think through the whole experience, you get to um, get the meaning of it clearer, more clearly, clearly. Um, our next song is um, The Faithful Love of Jesus by Hilary Scott and the Scott family.
that was The Faithful Love of Jesus by Hilary Scott and the Scott family. And you're listening to Taz Encounters with um, Raku Tillets. And Raku is talking about the Garden of Gethsemane experience, um, how Jesus felt crushed uh, by the weight of the sins and, um, yeah, the agony that he went through. Um, Raku, did you... Uh, want to get into this next next section. I believe you're talking about the arrest, the actual arrest of Jesus. Right. Yes, yes. We're going to go to John chapter 18 and uh, John 18, or the book of John, the gospel book of John, never records uh, Jesus's Garden of Gethsemane experience uh, like uh, Matthew and Luke do where he was in the garden praying if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But it does record here when they came to arrest Jesus Christ. So let's read John chapter 18 and verse 1. Um, the title is Betrayer and Arrest in Gethsemane. Uh, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook of Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And verse 2, please. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Thank you. Here we read that the disciples, they came to the garden. We know previously they came to the entrance and only Peter, James, and John went into the garden. And it talks about Judas. Mm. And uh, this was the person who betrayed Jesus. Mm. And he's not with them now. And prior to this, there are Bible verses in Matthew 17, verse 22, where he talks about Jesus said, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Mm. And in Matthew 20, verse 18, and Matthew 26, verse 24, and Mark 9, verse 31, all of these Bible verses were, were are verses where Jesus says, he, he, I'm going to be betrayed in the future. Mm. And in the upper room experience, uh, just before the washing of feet, in John 13, verse 2, it says, And supper being ended, that means while supper was still in progress, and we, and we studied this before, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Tabitha, have you ever been betrayed? Yes, I, yes, I have. Yeah, it, mm. it hurts, honestly, especially if it's from someone who is very close to you, and I... Yeah, I understand Judas, obviously, being Jesus' disciple. Jesus wouldn't have, you know, I mean, Jesus knew what was going to happen, but you wouldn't expect someone who is very close to you to actually betray you. Mm-hmm. And Judas spent three and a half years with Jesus. Mm. Where did the first betrayal take place? Um, is that to do with Judas? No, way before that. Um, the Garden of Eden. What about before that? The angel um, Lucifer. Exactly. Yeah. Up in heaven, right? Yeah. And what's interesting is in John 17, verse 12, the Bible says that Judas, he's the son of perdition. Perdition means destruction. And also later on, the man of sin or the Antichrist power in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3, also is called the son of perdition. That phrase appears twice. When I think of betrayal, I think of one of my friends. He's a pastor. Mm-hmm. I, I spoke to him recently. He He's in um, America, Washington State. And his name is Rome. And he 
before he became a pastor, he was he grew up in New Zealand, a Samoan person who was a gangster. And I remember he shared with me that the two big words when he was a gangster were betrayal and loyalty, and that these words are everything. Then he started studying theology, and somehow he found himself in Western Australia, in Perth, uh, with his cousin, and his cousin was involved in the Hells Angels gang there. And so he said, whoa, I, I, I just found myself here. And they asked him, what do, you, what do you do? And he said, I study theology. And none of them, he said, understood what theology was except for the main leader. Mm-hmm. And then they asked him to share a few things, and he spoke to them about. He spoke to them in their language. He used the words betrayal and loyalty, and he spoke to them about the great controversy that took place up in heaven mm-hmm. with Satan and his angels against Jesus and his angels. And he, 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 he they said. Uh, later on to him, wow, we've never even heard these things. We just thought Christianity is a fairy tale. But no, betrayal and loyalty. So here you have Judas. He has the characteristics of betrayal. Hmm. And Satan knows where we often go because here it does say uh, and Judas betrayed him, also knew the place. He knew the place. He knew the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew the Mount of Olives. In the time of the end, and we are living in the time of the end, will betrayal be taking place? Absolutely. Um, Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, Luke 17, and Luke chapter 21, these are all chapters dealing with end time events. Mm. And in Matthew 24 verse 10, it says this, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Mm. So that's something that's going to happen. It's happening now. Mm. Uh, Mark 13 verse 12 Now brother will betray brother to death and the father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death In Luke 21 verse 16 this is a chapter dealing with end time events signs that are going to happen before Christ comes back again It says you will be betrayed even by number one parents and number two brothers number three relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. This is a promise. Mm. By your patience possesses your soul. See, what God's people are going to go through the end of time, and, 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 and also we see disciples have experienced this in the book of Acts, Jesus has already gone through it for you and me. Mm. And we draw our strength from that. Mm. John 18 verse 3, can you please read that? Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Hmm. Let's spend some time on this um, Bible verse. Mm -hmm. It says here that there were chief priests and Pharisees. The chief priests, uh, at that time, the chief priest was Caiaphas. There was also a retired high priest um, by the name of Annas. And it mentions here Pharisees. So you, the chief priests were Sadducees and the Pharisees. They came together and they came with a detachment of troops or a band of troops. They mm, came with soldiers. an army. Mm. Yeah, with soldiers. And what's interesting is that the Pharisees and Sadducees, when you study their past history, they hated one another. They were enemies, but now they are united. These are religious leaders. They had differences in ideology and theology. The the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. 
um, while the Pharisees did. And you can read about this in Acts 23, verse 8. The, the Sadducees never even believed in angels, but the Pharisees did. Mm. But now they've come together against one person, mm. um, and, and they have a common enemy. And it's interesting, when you study Christianity, Christianity is divided into two parts. They say in the world, you have Catholicism on one side and Protestants on the other side. But when I read my Bible like Revelation 13 and Revelation 17, one day you're going to have these things come together. Mm. And they're going to be, they're going to have, even though they have differences in theology now and ideology, but somehow something's going to happen and I don't have time to get into this. They're going to come together and persecute God's people. And I think we ha- it's time for us to um, have a have a break and have a song. Yeah, your message is so powerful. <laughs> um, so our book offer is uh, the Desire of Ages. It's a very special book by Ellen White, and uh, in this book, um, Ellen White tells the story of the greatest spiritual leader, who is Jesus Christ, and um, it also describes events that happened and does not just state them, but. Um, presents them in such a meaningful way that you feel like you're an eyewitness to what is being described. And when you read this book, you'll understand the time, the true underlying significance of Christ's deed and their bearing on your life, on your own life here and now. Um, we'll give you the code to claim that book um, after the break. Uh, this next song is All to Us by Halal Music. Precious Cornerstone Sure foundation, you are faithful to the end. We are waiting on you, Jesus. We believe you're all to us. Precious cornerstone. Sure foundation, you are faithful to the end. We are waiting on you, Jesus. We believe you're all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe you're all to us, only Son of God. Sent from heaven, hope and mercy at the cross. You are everything, you're the promise. Jesus, you are all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church let the righteousness of god be a holy flame that burns let the saving love of christ be the measure of our lives we believe 
made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. That was all to us by Halal Music and you're listening to Tazi Encounters with Rako Chelets and uh, before we went for a break I promised to give you the code to claim our offer for today which is the book The Desire of Ages by Ellen White and um, the code is 3MJ1 um, text 3MJ number 1 no space in between text that to 048 and we'll be able to send that book to you um, Rako, I believe we are in the final section of this final program. Um, how would you like to wrap up? We see that there were religious leaders that came to Jesus and there were also soldiers. And some of us might think there was only maybe 20 or maybe 15, maybe 30 soldiers maximum. But it's interesting. Uh, let me ask you a question. Do you remember there was two demon-possessed men? And in Mark 5, Jesus asked the name and he said what is your name and the person this demon possessed man responded by saying my name is legion for why because we are many what is a legion legion is a roman military unit of six thousand footmen soldiers and 700 horsemen i mentioned these things because when you look at this word band here in the new king james version or the uh, sorry kjv says band here it says detachment Um, this greek word is spiera which in english it is a cohort what is a cohort cohort it is one tenth of that of a legion so what am i saying that there was about 600 soldiers here I don't know, but the point is that there were many soldiers that came to arrest Jesus Christ. 
And they came with the chief um, priests and with the Pharisees. And so what you have is you have a military, which is political, and you have these religious leaders. This is a church. You have church and state coming together for one person. Can you imagine that? <laughs> one person. When you go to the book of Daniel, chapter 6, there were 120 satraps, and there were two governors, and uh, there was uh, they were all against Daniel. So 122 people against Daniel, and God still preserved Daniel. Mm. And we know from Matthew's account and Mark's account, they came with swords and clubs as well. Mm. As a way of application, when we study uh, things in Revelation, church and state will come together and there's going to be a small group of people who are going to be faithful because Revelation 12 verse 17 says, and the dragon, that's the devil, he was wrath with the woman. The woman is a church and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed. That is a remainder, a small minority, but God will protect them and uh, God's people at the end, and even now, the saints overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. In in uh, John 18, verse 4, it says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? He never escaped from it, but he went to them. He knew that he would be experienced this. He knew he was going to be arrested. He knew he was going to be declared guilty. He knew he was going to be whipped. He knew he was going to die. He knew that criminals were going to hang on either side of him. He knew the disciples would desert and flee from him and that Peter would deny him. He knew his own people would shout for his, for his blood, crucify him, crucify him, let his blood be upon us and our children. And for me, that's one of the most foolish words ever uttered by mankind. And Jesus knew all of these things would come upon him. And the question, how was he able to get through this difficult time? Well, remember, prior to this, he prayed. Mm. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He also prayed prior to that in John 17. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. He also prayed for the new believers. And I believe prayer is so essential and needed for us to prepare us for the time of the end. So Jesus says, whom are you seeking? And as you continue, they, they say, we're seeking Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then he says, I am he. But the word he is italicized which means it's been added. It shouldn't be there. So basically, Jesus says, I am. Mm. In the Greek, it's ego emi. This points us back to the burning bush. I am who I say I am. This is a title of God, where the words I am, it's self-existent, pre-existent, eternal one. And you know what the Bible says? That when Jesus said, I am, Everyone fell backwards. Mm-hmm. And some people thought, mm, may, maybe Jesus, so I, I've read one commentary saying, well, maybe Jesus just made this up. No, we're talking about Roman soldiers. You know, they were trained for battle. And in these ages, it mentions how they staggered back. Priests, elders, soldiers, and even Judas fell as dead men to the ground. Here is Jesus. He reveals himself as a lion. But then he goes with them like a lamb. Mm. And you know, it's interesting as you continue reading the story, you have Peter. <laughs> he takes out his sword, remember? Mm. And he cuts off the, um, uh, the high priest's servant ear off. His name was Malchus. Mm. And then Jesus restored his ear. I'm sure that, Je- that not Jesus, Peter was not aiming 
probably he he wanted to cut off his head, but maybe Malchus ducked and cut off his ear. <laughs> and you know, the word Malchus means my king or kingdom, council. And sometimes I wonder if Malchus later on had a conversion experience where he came to the point, I don't know, can't wait to get to heaven to find out these things. But he said, Jesus is my king. Mm. We know that Jesus Christ was scourged, he was whipped, he was crucified on the cross, mm. and he was resting in the tomb on the Sabbath. Chapter 80 of uh, Desire of Ages, I believe it's chapter 80, talks about what happened while Jesus was in the tomb. But let's not leave my Lord and Savior in the tomb. He resurrected. And the awesome thing is, he's coming back again. Mm, amen. Amen to that. Um, thank you, Raku, for that powerful sharing. And uh, I believe we've all been blessed with your message. Um, Raku, as we finish off today's program, being the final program for the year, um, what have you enjoyed most about doing um, Tazi Encounters? This day, 3MJ program uh, for Tazi Encounters. We really have a great team of pastors that are involved here uh, in Tasmania with Faith FM. Um, I've enjoyed uh, teaching the Word of God. Um, I enjoy you, Tabitha, and I've had Jason as well earlier on in the beginning. Um, but when it comes to this final week of Jesus' ministry, it has really helped me, impacted me personally uh, in such a big way I can't yeah, begin to even share where it's helped me in my ministry how to deal with people uh, I'm not perfect myself but I'm striving to, to be more like Christ day by day to have his character and when I see and read what Jesus went for me it really humbles me mm. and uh, it gets me refocused um, it's not about you. It's about Jesus and what He went through. And, and I get strength from this. And, and uh, I love God. Um, he, he gives me peace. And uh, I, I believe, you know, what Desire of Ages, page 83 says, it would be good to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplating the life of Christ, especially His closing scenes, and make applications for that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to deal with end-time prophecy. But if we don't know Jesus, we're lost. Mm. And we need Jesus. And we do, we do. Um, Rako, thanks for that. And um, on behalf of the um, Tazi Encounters team, we've been so lucky to have such an inspirational and passionate and motivation motivational um, presenter like you. And your memories of um, your sharings and your presentations will have a warm place in our hearts, and we will really miss you. And uh, we wish you all the best in your future endeavors, and we pray that God be with you as you continue to do His work. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Rako. And uh, I believe uh, we'll still hear Rako, um, just not from Tazi Encounters <laughs> side, <laughs> but he'll still be presenting um, on Faith FM. So still stay, stay tuned. And um, just to remind our listeners um, for the code to claim the offer for today, which is the Desire of Ages by Ellen White. And um, the code is 3MJ1. Um, text 3MJ number one, no space in between to 0488-880891. And this is a very special book. If you don't have it, please text that code um, so we can send this book to you. And tomorrow we'll have um, Peter Watts um, with Jason and Peter 
Peter will be continuing with this series, Searching for Certainty. Um, so join Peter tomorrow to learn about what he has to share. Thank you for being with us throughout this um 32 programs and um, still going. <laughs> yeah. Um, can, can I just finish with uh, three words? Yeah. Okay. Um, whoever's listening out there, uh, for anyone, I've got three words. Mm-hmm. God loves you. Amen. And um, be blessed wherever you are and enjoy the rest of your day.